Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Mod. And welcome back to Masters of Mod, and I am your host, Alex Kessler, with my co-host... Ben Bateman, what's up everybody? We're back. We're in studio. We're here. We're in Los Angeles. We did it. We made it back from the desert. It was a crazy, crazy fun Magic Fest Vegas. And holy smokes, has some stuff happened. I even, I see fire emojis in the chat. I see super chats. We missed a super chat. And it wasn't even just mine. Oh, it's from Dalton Brazier. Brazier. Dalton? Hey Ben, hotter than my wife, Bateman. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's really nice of you to say. Wait, is that... Are you the guy that wrote that comment? I posted like something on Twitter or Instagram at one point, and somebody's literal comment was a quote tweet that said, holy SH, you're hotter than my wife. And I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen, so I quote tweeted it and mm-hmm. was like laughing. Mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's you, Dalton. Unless it's just twice that joke's been made, because it's kind of a masculine. We're going to burn the chat down. There's a lot of fire emojis. So for people that don't <laughs> know, uh, we're reacting to all these fire chats, because today is the episode that we talk about the recent bannings and unbannings. Yes. Uh, Everyone knew Hogak was going on. In fact, we had this whole episode planned about talking about the trivia we did. And we might still do some of that trivia uh, on the episode uh, that we did at uh, Magic at Vegas and like recapping that. But then surprising to everyone, not did Hogak's dead. No, we all know that. But Faithless Looting's gone. Yeah. That wasn't expected, though. We'll talk about how someone expected it. Uh, And then... Uh, Stoneforge Mystic was unbanned. It's so many things happened in this last week, right? Like we, like there was obviously uh, big OP changes, and then we had Vegas, which it, is Dalton always. Razor was the person who did that. Tweet. I love it. All right. I love it. Yeah, uh, and then obviously, you know, we we had the Magic Fest Vegas, which was so much fun, and then finally we're back, and there was two bannings and an unbanning. So I think you know to break those down, it is going to be like the majority of what the episode is today, and we'll, we'll make sure to get into that more. Uh, but that is the subject matter for today. Uh, I do want to get to a couple quick shout-outs before we get into all of it. Sure. First one is you guys can find the podcast on Twitter at the MMCast. Be sure to follow. It's really important. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're streaming this right now, click that little notification button. There's like a little thumb with a six next to it right now. Make that six go up. Yeah, actually, one thing that's really interesting is 100 people right now watching this live. Hyped. And we have a total of six likes. So if every single one of you, as well as fire emojis, can just click that thumbs up button, let's get those <laughs> thumbs up to 100. Because that's the best way for this video to get pushed up in the algorithm so people watch yeah. it. It's like really important. We would really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so YouTube, that's important. That's a big thing. Twitter, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I am at Kess Wiley. If you want hot takes and less hot takes, I'm there. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. And, uh, you know, otherwise, there's or some at really cool the stuff. Yeah. a podcast. Yeah. At the MMCast. And be sure to check out the Command Zone, Game Nights. Josh and Jimmy do amazing stuff. That's yeah. our sister podcast on Collected.com. We'll do the rest of the shout-outs later. I want to get into today's subject matter. How was Vegas for you this year? We got 17 likes now. I love it. Uh, Vegas was amazing. Uh, I It was probably, yeah, definitely top and weekends of life. It was a it was really, really good. I had a really, really great time. It was super fun. I had a great time hanging out with the community. It was a really, really like nice sort of affirming weekend as far as just the positivity of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. internet can be such a toxic place sometimes, and you can end up with just like dealing with so many people that are like not that sweet. And the magic community on the whole is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I just felt like the people we dealt with and hung out with this weekend were like all great. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because we came off and then there was like additional bad news about specifically unnamed because I don't want to blast his platform out into the world. But he's terrible and is doing well somewhere else. And we don't want that to happen. But uh, we were talking a lot on the VIX. Like so much publicly can be like net negative because net negative news is so much easier to kind of spread. But the community is such a huge positive influence on both my life and I think in the world that I think that side of the community needs to just blast it out more. So community, you're the best. 
Yeah, you're guys. I are blew great. out every mic in the room. <laughs> the like, also, I think just you know the cosplayer community, like Gavin Verhey, the Command Zone guys, Shivam, and I'm just naming names here, but you know uh, Vincent Kenobi. We got to hang out with so many fun people this weekend. I really yeah. had a great time. I I loved this GP Vegas. This I think was my favorite, and I didn't even do well in the tournament at all. I, mean, I didn't even play in it. I just played in the Command Zone, which yeah. is also one of the better additions to a Magic Fest ever. ever yeah, really ever. good. I played Except for the bracelets. Get rid of those bracelets. <laughs> I also played in the command zone, I'll have you know. I played games of commander. He played three games of commander and enjoyed himself. I had a very good time. He was unhappy about the fact that he had fun. It My was very fa- it was fascinating <laughs> facial expression. You've grown uh, as a person. I'm so uh, proud of you. Yeah. You just only feel happy because you won this one. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I don't win them all. Um, and we'll get into the bannings in a second. But yeah. uh, big also shout out. Today we have a guest producer, Sam Lewis. Yeah, what's up, Sam? You want to come say hi? Are you plugged into everything? You're kind of plugged. Yeah, just come say hi. Okay, okay. Sam, he's on camera now. Hi, That's- everyone. What's up? What's up? Nothing much. Having a blast. Great to be here. Uh, had a blast at Vegas as well, judging all all four days. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic event. Magic Community really made it special. So thank you all for being so, so great. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for uh, producing the show today. Marshall could not make it. This is, uh, we have 115 people watching right now. This is the most people we've ever had in a live chat. Tappy says, it's Sam. He's my friend. Uh, also, big shout out to Tappy Toeclaws. Yeah, we awesome. We just like, spent the whole weekend hanging out. What were some uh, of your other? And you guys, you and Olivia are the best. Yeah, uh, amazing. What were some of your other highlights from Vegas? The trivia show was awesome. Oh, uh, my we had, God. Like, we like, filled out the stadium. I highly recommend that we do it again so people can see it because we did not record it. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, Casey Calhoun says, all hail Jund. K-Command time. That is going to be a direct response to the fact that a K-Command does two damage to a Stoneforge Mystic and destroys a Batter Skull. Yep. So one for ones there, two for one. I was thinking about it, and it's like, Kind of, except you're still paying, paying three mana to deal with their two mana thing. Well, everyone's so like, like, oh, all these Stoneforge Mystic decks are going to be there, whatever. I'm just like, John's going to laugh evilly in the corner. Yeah, I, like, I, I have Renin Six now, and then I'm going to play this K Command, and you're just going to be a sad, sad panda. Yeah, it's it's good, but I mean, just the fact that Stoneforge Mystic just like gets you that card, you didn't lose anything by playing it. So. Corey Burkhart is currently uh, petitioning to see how many K Commands you can add above four into a deck yeah. between Snapcaster Mages and Kesses and everything else that lets you rebuy those. So I do love that card. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. The trivia show was amazing. So you know, some of you guys who listen to the show know that I do this thing called the Movie Trivia Schmodown. It's like this uh, wrestling flavor sort of thing meets movie trivia, and it's become very popular. It's a big show. I travel around for it. And so we kind of had some of the same flavor from that. We, we injected into this a little bit, right? It was a little more like audience participation, but we had about 100 people watching. And as we got into the final round, because you guys didn't get to watch it, unfortunately you won't get to, it was really close. So who did we have on the show? We had so we had Tappy and Olivia. That was one team. They mm-hmm. were called Team Sister Sister Feisters. Yes, so I kept saying it, right. it wrong. <laughs> uh, we had Shivan Bot and Phil Deluku from the Commander and Podcast. I think they were called uh, Team tr- uh, Trivia Fairies tr- Trivia, trivia Twisters. Twisters. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we had Gavin and Matt Tayback, best heel in Magic. Uh, it was it was pretty great. They, it was the not it was I kept wanting to say big and tall with <laughs> the suits. Yeah, uh, they are. Size matters. Yes, size yes. matters. Yes. I think everybody assumed because they work for Wizards that Gavin and Matt, uh, Matt were going to clean well, up. I, so, like, the entire time we were writing the questions, we were just like, how do we stump Wizards employees? <laughs> yeah, One right. of which was the manager <laughs> of the rules for over a decade. <laughs> 
And so we just kind of assumed that was what was going to happen. And in the end, it was actually Team Trivia Twisters that took the whole thing down. But it was really fun. In the end, you know, this is something we, different we did. Shimodan doesn't do this. We felt it was kind of a magic thing to have in the last round, the teams all draft their categories. So we had 10 categories on the board, and they one at a time were drafting, like, where they wanted their questions to come from. And that was, like, really interesting. Like, you could hear Matt and Gavin talking, and they were like, oh, yeah, maybe we should hate draft this one so they can't do this. I think that's better for us. Like, I want to take that off the board. It was it was really interesting. And it the game, literally came down to the last question. It, it was, a, and I think the final question was kind of like I felt bad because the question that the trivia twisters won on was a softball compared to what Gavin and Matt had to answer. Well, so they answered. So there's we'll, we'll ask some of this. We'll ask the trivia, and then uh, later we'll say the answers. But the first one, it, the the first of those two final questions was which two cards only have a single printing in the history of Magic. So there's only one card ever printed of them, and they're official cards. Right. And then the other was. Which color has a does not have a monocolor angel? Right. So, so it, for instance, mono white has a lot of angels. What color of the other four doesn't have any? So that was the softball, according to Ben. I, I mean, it's all it's all like again, guys. Th- th- after having played thirty five matches in the Schmodown or something like this, and done this in front of a thousand people, I can tell you. It's all subjective. You will always be upset if you lose, and you'll always find a reason to be annoyed well, for losing. But between the two. The guy in the audience and Gavin and Matt got their question right, the harder one. Yes. And the guy in the audience and Michael Grothy, who is, I guess, you know, other co-host of this podcast, yeah. got the angel question wrong. So... I mean, it's, it was fascinating some of the stuff people got right and wrong. So... Uh, Alex and I are actually working right now to come up with sort of a concept to do this again. We want to do this again so you guys can see it. We can film it. But on the whole, so big, New, new questions. That'll be a, a beautiful Buddhist sand painting that yeah. has now been des- destroyed into time. But we have all the trivia. So we might ask it on the cast. We might do an episode next week. If there wasn't unbannings, we would have probably done it this week. Next week, we'll like read more questions and have you guys have fun with it. So Maybe. it was a, a just a massive thank you to Channel Fireball for inviting us to have you know having us become a part of this thing and, and to give us a chance to host this show. It was so cool. It was such like a welcoming experience to be a part of that community in that way. And yeah, I thought it was I thought it was amazing. So Tempest thank of you. Thought has asked, do you guys think there could be a blue white deck for Stoneforge? Can you see blue white control transitioning to more of a blue white mid range? Oh. The entire section of this episode will be us discussing that very thing. Um, the chances that there's not a blue white Stoneforge Mystic deck is actually zero. Yeah, it's the that's that's I, I think probably <laughs> that's maybe a, a negative ten. I think it exists already. People have already top fived. We'll start. <laughs> we'll, we'll start with blue white. It was Tempest of Thought. Tempest of Thought. That's a five dollar super chat. If I can see correctly. Yes, that's why Tempest I of read thought. that one. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, so Tempest of Thought. Well, that'll be probably where we start with that. The one thing I want to talk about really quickly before we jump into that episode. So I played in the main event, didn't do very well. We, you know, played a bunch of magic. Well, the one thing we did get to do twice though, and we've started doing this at like all of the GPs, it feels mm-hmm. like, is we did a couple chaos drafts. And they're not chaos drafts where we do it through CFB. We do it ourselves. We go buy all the packs and we kind of curate what we want. The first one, really fun. Some of the stuff that we always do with like Fallen Empires and Homelands and old sets. I'm a big spiral. fan of the Ice Age or Double Fallen Empires or Double, double Homelands packs because yeah. like none of the cards read like magic cards and they're like a brick long and by the end of each one you're either going to get with a card that's like medium at best or doesn't do anything <laughs> in, in the it's one like if a blue enchantment is activated then you can make it a white enchantment <laughs> i think like what's the old Gerard, whatever it is i think the uh in in one of the fallen empires packs I saw the card come around again that i had won with at the previous gp there was like a total like underrated bomb and it was called like Ah, uh, like it's it's the so I can't remember what the card does or is called, but it's a green creature where for like green one tap, I think it's discard a card 
all of your lands become like one one creatures till end of turn. Or oh something sure, like that. yeah, yeah. I passed that. I, I picked out of that same deck. That's Fallen Empires. Fallen Empires is actually way more playable and limited. I got a green tapper. It was just green one yeah. tap. I was I was like very impressed with that power level of that card. I remember beating Ruben Bressler with it, <laughs> and he was like, "What? That card is what?" Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but anyways, we did two of those. The second one was especially cool because uh, we we were like, okay, so every single set that has ever had the word flashback printed on a card, I want every one of those packs, and I want every one of the gold sets. And so we ended up with 12 graveyard sets. So we ended up with Odyssey, Torment, Judgment, a pack of Time Spiral, a pack of Future Sight. Mm-hmm. We ended up with a pack of Innistrad, a pack of Dark Ascension. We ended up with a pack of Amonkhet because of uh, the Eternal Eyes and Aftermath spells. We ended up with... Whatever the other times they... Oh, oh, all the Master sets. So, like, Eternal Masters did it. Modern Masters 3 did it. Mm-hmm. Literally 12 sets that had flashback in them. And then the other ones were, like, Invasion, Plane Shift, Apocalypse, all three Alara sets, all three of the original Ravnica sets, mm-hmm. Return to Ravnica, Allegiance. And that was kind of how it worked out for the second one. And that was a little more expensive, but it was so fun. They were both great. It's always more fun to buy the packs, draft it, and play the first round than it is to, like, get past the first round. Sure. Right? I always draft and play one round and then... And then drop. And then go do something else. <laughs> Unless you win. Yes. Well, that's shade, not true. Shade, whoa, shade. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, Masters of Modern Podcast, we do chaos drafts <laughs> and uh, trivia. And Michael won the chaos draft day, too, because he's a legitimately really good Because he's better than player. all of us at Magic the Gathering. <laughs> um, so, um, beyond that, I mean, like, played a bunch of... Bra- uh, not Brawl. Oathbreaker. Uh, I will probably do entire videos later about Oathbreaker as a format. Uh, format's dope. I don't know if I can make unpowered versions of decks for that format, though. But a bunch of great people. Mostly the best part was just hanging out with people. It's always the best part. Yeah. It's like so much fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was our GP Vegas experience or oh, Magic Fest Vegas. Fir- this is the first Magic Fest Vegas I've been to since Kess was printed because I didn't go to the one that year. So you and so this is the first Kess. time I like had one specific card that multiple people brought up to me to sign, which was really cool. Right. And actually now, like, I have a whole thing. There's this becomes cash drop top mage. I make all the vials into drop top balls. Sign right here. It's cool. All right. So, uh, do you want to talk about, so that's magic. Anything else about Vegas? Yes. I think that is probably enough of us talking about Magic Fest Vegas. I feel like now we can probably get into the conversation that everybody wants to hear about. A couple quick shout outs before we get into that. We have a Patreon. Uh, It's really, 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 really imperative that if you guys want to support the show, it is one of the absolute best things you can do. Patreon.com slash the MMcast. If you go there, you donate, there's a Discord that we are in. I have used it a few times. I'm very bad at Discord because I'm very old, but I should use it more often. And Alex and I both are very, very close to starting to stream soon. So some of those streams will probably be exclusive available to start with um, on the on the Patreon, but that's uh, a big push for us is to kind of develop yeah. that Patreon. And, and, make and, it- and on that, if you are a Patreon member over a certain level, you get access to exclusive rooms in the Discord, and in general, you guys should all just join our Discord. It's uh, I'm looking at it right now. It's backslash the MMcast, and yeah, and and you also you'll get uh, every video we post. Except for maybe this live stream one, because the live stream will be available uh, online. There is like a unedited version of the video that has none of the rambling. Sometimes you go real deep dives on cards that aren't good, especially when we do set reviews. I think we spent like 10 minutes talking about the Arlen Cord Planeswalker in Modern, <laughs> which is just obviously never going to be a thing that wasn't in the actual episode. But if you go to the disc, to the Patreon, you can, and you're, you're a Patreon member, you can listen to those fully unedited. Are you talking about Dovin Bond when we got into that whole conversation? Maybe no. that was Dovin Bond. The- oh, no, Arlen Cord. We did Arlen Cord. 
Oh, there was the one where he got into like a legitimate argument about a blue white planeswalker. We spent twenty minutes on it. Marshall yeah. was like, "This is never making it to the episode. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. will never see the light of day." <laughs> uh, we just got a ten dollars super chat from Doctor Pure One Seventeen Fifty Two. It's a ten dollars super chat. So generous. Thank you so much. Really appreciate is, could that. blue white fairies with Stoneforge Mystic to get uh, Sword of Feast and Famine be a good idea to invest in? I'm looking for a one to ten on it being a good idea. Okay, so that's interesting. I I like blue white. F- what I don't like about that is that you're playing a two-mana sorcery speed card in a deck that primarily really wants to be oh, so instant I, speed. I disagree with you, because the whole thing with Stoneforge Mystic is that you can use the ability at instant speed. So in reality, what it is, it's an, it's a it's a your fifth through eighth bitter blossom. Because you on turn two in fairies, you're trying to play a two-drop, right? Like I and pretty much at sorcery speed most of the time. Sure. And so then once that's in play. You then don't want to untap, and what Feast and Famine is so good at is it lets you flash in at the end of your turn, equip it to a spell starter sprite, and then right. from that point on, you can spend your mana on your turn, attack, untap all your lands, and get it back. I, I or just have a batter skull in play. Right? Well, <laughs> so I think my thought with that is like, all right, back in the old Cobblade days, you were playing a straight blue-white control deck, and that deck then had Stoneforge Mystic, and it had these Squadron Hawks, right? And you would get the Squad Hawks, and you'd play them and suit them up. The Fairies deck really is a tempo deck it's not really as much of a control deck like it if it if it has a blossom on turn two that's great it's not looking to tap out on turn two of the game most of the time if it doesn't have bitter blossom it doesn't want to do that and i don't know well, if the game plan i think stoneforge mystic is as powerful as bitter blossom. Uh, yeah, yeah like so, that's like the point is it only does that when it has bitter blossom but that's because every other card in the deck is at instant speed, instant speed. And or not good on turn two because that's why you're not playing it yeah but don't you feel like playing a non-fairy card in a deck where like spell stutter sprites there and having now eight sorcery speed two drops in the deck slows you down where if you like don't hit your fourth land drop you're kind of stuck with these gummy two drops in hand so so back up for a second i would say i would give investing in fairies a rating of a five you wanted a one through ten rating okay sure. i actually just don't think that deck is as good as other things you can be doing for that yes. same effort and with stoneforge mystic i do love fairies and i wish it was better um and and a blue white version of it is also sacrificing bitter blossom which is the only reason to play it so you'd either want to be esper or blue black um and or white black which seems weird Black, black fairies? I mean, you just lose all the... I mean, like, the look, one of the absolute main <laughs> reasons you play fairies as a deck, period, in modern, is that Spell Slutter Sprite is a really good card, and you want to have a payoff to play a counterspell that also gives you a clock. Like, that's... There's a very, very, very short list of things that allow you to do that, that, that efficiently counter a spell and also be left with something that's a threat. Sure. Um, which is why, in the old days, like, Mystic Snake was good. Like, mm-hmm. if you can effectively be getting a flying Mystic Snake, or, or the equivalent for less mana, like, you're okay. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. The power level of modern right now, I don't but, think I would call it more than a five. I would say it depends also what you want already, right? If you already own the Stoneforge Mystics, the rest of fairies isn't expensive. So, like, if you're going to drop... If you have Stoneforge Mystics and you're just like, what do I do with these? What's a cheap deck that I can just put these into that's going to be dope? I think fairies with Stoneforge Mystic as, like, an Esper shell could be pretty dope. I don't think you're going to win a GP, but I think you could win F&M without pretty much blinking too hard. Well, I think before um, we get just, like, fully into every brew... And, and when guys, if you ha- have suggestions in the chat, things you want to hear about, be sure to post them. We'll try to pay the best attention we can. Like I said, it'll be easier to make sure we see them if they're super chatted, but we will just try to read through as many as we can when we get to the Q&A section. Let's start with just the bannings, period. Um, I sure. think we all just assumed Hogak was happening. Like, I don't think there's that much we well, need to say about before it. Before we jump into it, I do want to, because we, we advertise at the pre-thing, yeah. that we're going to light stuff on fire in this episode, but we should tell people that are listening to the podcast or have now jumped into the chat that that's what's happening. We got two pieces of artwork. One was during uh, Tappy Toe Claus's match game panel in Vegas. It was done by Jessica at Inked. Inkling Customs. Inkling Customs. Inkling Customs. It's this beauty pageant Hogak. 
uh, that we said that we would burn if it got banned. It was kind of well known. So we're now going to burn it and light it on fire. But then also, we realized. Also, just like this is this should be a good indicator. My mom was an artist, so I kind of recognize this. This was done in about 38 seconds. That's when you know somebody is really good. They can literally <laughs> just like picture in their mind what something looks like and actually legibly draw something that you're like. That's like pretty good. That's pretty cool looking. Yes, but the question was is like this year's beauty pageant was won by which magic character? And like in the amount of time it took everyone 15 seconds to like write their answer, she drew this Hogak beauty princess. And you can even has a crown and everything. So we're going to light that on fire because it got banned. (laughs) And then unknown to everyone, surprising the world other than Nick Prince, who I owe $2 to. Faithless looting was also banned, and so Tappy Toeclaws did us a favor and drew uh, a proxy Faithless looting that we'll also be lighting on fire. Um, so be excited. That'll be at the end of the episode because it'll make this room so smoky that we won't be able to breathe anymore. Why are we lighting these on fire? Because it's the MM cast. Right. Um, and so they're going to go into the banned bucket so that we don't um, we're light safe. the building on we're fire. <laughs> so, um, all right. So let's, so let's start with Hogak. Let's just like briefly okay. for one minute just sound off. Any thoughts on the banning of Hogak that hasn't already been said? The whole world saw it coming to the extent that we didn't plan on talking too much about the ban announcement this morning because we've spent the last four episodes of this podcast talking about what the format looks like when Hogak goes away, right? Because it was kind of like, they're not going to emergency ban it, so they're going to wait two weeks, which means that like three modern GPs are going to happen with Hogak in the format, and we're just going to have to deal with that format. But modern, like just past Hogak, is super exciting. You have Urza decks running around, Renin Six is through the format on its, you know, put mid range back in the limelight. Jun's a deck. Um, Kess is now Grixis with rank, other ra- things, which is great. Rank these for me mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just like unbeatable power level. Hogak, mm-hmm. previous Hogak with, with Bridge. Eldrazi, mm-hmm. Blue Red Delver with Treasure Cruise, mm-hmm. Birthing Pod, mm-hmm. and is that all of the like Splinter Twins? You're just a Splinter Twin. That's yeah. what everyone wants to know about. It loses this contest, by the way. But continue. Yeah, Twins like way worse. Like, so, so people, t- I forget which pros did it, and hopefully someone in the world can either find a link or tweet it at us. Uh, but Hogak loses to Eldrazi. Eldrazi with Ivugan is just better than everything else we've talked about. That's towards. what I figured. And then. The other decks you mentioned are all worse than Eldrazi, and I believe that the only one that might be close is the the Bridge Delve, Hogak. the the Delve World. I think is comparable to Hogak, like it was is like a fifty five, sure, before, okay, you know, close enough that it wasn't really comparable. And then every other card on the ban list that like was banned and was a bad guy at one point was just worse than what Hogak was doing. Yeah, um, I don't know personally. I think Bridge Hogak is worse than Bridgeless Hogak. Really? Yeah, I think like. Like, it's kind of the whole, like, uh, uh, Death Shadow before Faithless Loot. Not Faithless Looting. Before Get Probe. Uh, when Get Probe was around, Death Shadow was kind of like a gimmick deck was about giving it double strike and, and like, trying to pump that out. And then Faithless Looting got banned and it just became the best mid-range threat in the format. Sure. Because that Thoughtseize is a good card and they should have been playing it the whole time. Makes sense. I think it was a similar situation where people were playing those two decks. Now, my general understanding for people who have tested it, Hogak without Bridge loses, though, to Hogak with Bridge. It is a worse deck against all the other decks, but it is, in the mirror, a better deck. Okay, so those are our Hogak people thoughts. people have tested that that are me that are better at magic. Uh, shout out to Nick Prince for also calling that one out. To the <laughs> uh, third host We're of the, the show. the same argument that we'll get to when we talk about Faithless Living. <laughs> third host of the show, Michael Grothy, has just walked in. He's in the room. He's looking at us. Come say hi. Yeah, come say he hi. Didn't know. He didn't know he's going to put on. He's got great red pants on. He does. What do you think, Mike? What do you, Of those decks, what do you think is the most unbeatable? I think Eldrazi is probably the strongest. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. it just had it had multiple so soul lands. Saying that he thinks Eldrazi is on top, and then Hogak is right under that. I think I agree with that. Yeah, the, the only one that I was questioning was the like Delver with uh, faith, uh, Treasure Cruise, like the Treasure. Yeah, Cruiser I mean, Treasure Cruise is a powerful enough card that I think there could be a shell tuned to beat Eldrazi and Hogak. I think as the deck existed in Modern, it probably wouldn't be good enough because they just have such big creatures and Red's answers are not that great to like you know, ridiculously large Eldrazi and ridiculously large Hogax that come out super early. So, like, you know, the version of Delver that was just playing, like, Treasure Cruise and then, like, a bunch of Bolts and... Young Pyro and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that that's not super well-suited to beating, like, big tramplers. But it's also possible that, like, with Magmatic Sinkhole and maybe some other stuff, like, that deck would stand much more of a chance. I don't know. And Grave Hate. Like, Ley Lines in the board. Yeah. I don't know. Hard to say, since, like, it never existed in the same metagame, but... (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. In terms of just pure, I think unbeatable. raw power level, I'd put Eldrazi first. Are you excited to play any specific deck in modern now that Stoneforge Mystic is legal? Is there a deck that you have in mind that you want to play? It's not Teamer, so. Yep, I'm probably going to play a Teamer deck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think that Faithless Looting and Hogak being banned opens up the door for a lot of fair decks because you don't have to compete with these, like, hyper fast starts where like they're just doing something totally broken and you have to be doing something broken or you're just going to get run over or you're like hard blue white control i think the doors open for a lot more mid-range decks where like you have interaction but you don't like your de- whole deck is an interaction right like a mid-range deck right so i'm excited to play some sort of team or mid-range i might go back to eternal command which is a deck i always enjoy or something similar i don't know i have to i have to think about it I opened a Ren and Six of the GP. So I'm sick. Look, I'm looking to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I opened up a bunch of hot garbage. So uh, we have we have a chunk of time left to talk cards and burn cards. Um, so we should get into the rest of the discussion. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, so I, I guess the thing I want to touch, touch upon with each of the cards, especially the ones that are banned, are kind of going over some of the decks that are now dead. Big. Bye, Michael. Bunny ears. Bye, Michael. About if they're actually dead or like what you can do to kind of let them survive, right? I think that's so Phoenix, a lot of what people are Dredge. talking about. So with Hogak, I mean, obviously there's really only two answers. One is Dredge. Dredge isn't going anywhere. He went both with Faithless Looting and Hogak going away from the deck. A, Hogak was just there for a hot second. It was already one of the better decks in the format before that. And there's just so many different ways. They'll play, you know, uh, I've seen people playing Thought Scour. That's the one blue mill yourself five in the... In the Tome Scour. Tome Scour. Tome Scour. As, and it's just like overperforming for them is what kind of the reports on the internet so far. I think Dredge is the one that makes a lot of sense that it would survive just because the velocity of like the Dredge mechanic being mm-hmm. in the deck anyway. As soon as it gets going, it's just turned on. Yeah. I think the harder one for us to talk about is Phoenix. And we'll I know just, we'll get there in a second. We haven't oh. talked about Phoenix. There's another Hogak deck. There's two Hogak decks. Okay, sure. Next is Dredge Vine. Okay, You're gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. There's two decks. Go with ahead. Hogak in it. Go one ahead. of them is Dredge Vine. Okay. We haven't talked about that one. Got it. Benjwine needs to have his moment. Okay. Uh, it's going to survive. Uh, I think uh, Stitcher Supplier is the reason that deck came back. Hogak obviously put it to a level that's so much farther ahead, but and I don't know if it'll be a tier one deck like obviously it was with Hogak, but getting Stitcher Supplier and um, Carrion Feeder yes. uh, are just such big pieces of why that deck was powerful. I think people are going to sleep on it, and especially if a bunch of people go to the next tournament being like, oh no, I need Artifact Hate for Urza, and and Stoneforge Mystic getting Batter Skulls, and they cut down on their Graveyard Hate. Decks like Dredge and Vengevine are both decks that I'd actually be looking to play. I think both of them have a chance of just still being really good. I don't know what replaces necessarily Hogath and Faithless Looting, but to be totally honest, in the Vengevine decks... You can play Hedron Crab. You can like the, you want creatures. Like the one of the issues with Faithless Looting was always like this is a spell. One of the reasons I was so high on Phoenix when it was printed was that the best 
way to mill stuff in Dredgevine was a spell, and Vengevine wants creatures to do it, so why it didn't match up, and then you know Phoenix gets printed, and that worked with it. So I guess great. Neonate, right? That's like that's a pretty good card. Yeah, Neonate is a deck card they could be playing. They all kind of work with the game plan, so like they just want one drop creatures that let cards get into their graveyard, and they have a bunch. And Stitcher Supplier and Karen Feed are really the things that overpowered Vengevine. With Hogak just being this unstoppable threat. So with that gone, I think the deck is still good. It's just not as right. problematic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's we're just we're just into the next chapter. So uh, are we ready to talk about Phoenix? Well, I think we're ready to talk about Faithless Looting. Faithless Looting. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I didn't see Faithless Looting being banned here. I thought it literally in the last announcement, and obviously in the last announcement, they said Hogak wasn't bad enough and we just need to bid bid for below because it's a Pokemon card. <laughs> they banned Faithless Looting. They said, like, we don't want to ban cards that are the, like, the butter that holds a bunch of decks together. Um, what butter holds anything together? I don't know. Do you I'm mean tired. the glue? <laughs> glue. Thank you. Uh, butter holds toast together. <laughs> Hey, we need to put these. Uh, we need to put these posters on the wall. Do you have some butter? Yes, yes, I do. You don't butter your walls when you put poster up. <laughs> Just put wallpaper up. The, my wife put wallpaper up over in Vegas, so I came back and there's like a big wallpaper thing, and she used butter. She used butter. Yeah. Okay, that's where it came from. That's no, not. So this is a card that you know held a lot of pieces together, and Wizard said we don't want to get rid of them. You know, there's other cards that are possibly you know as problematic. The one that comes to mind the most, and I'm forgetting again because it's not Serum Visions. It is. Ancient Stirrings. Ancient Stirrings, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, Ancient Stirrings, you know, that's, I think that's the card everyone, when I, when they're like frustrated by this card being banned, is the one that they're like pointing and being like, that has been just as problematic. It just, at like the exact moment that this happened, it wasn't. And even right before Modern Masters was printed, or not Modern Masters, Modern Horizons was printed, we lived in a world where Karn decks were like eating up the format. And so, and Urza decks are, after that are going to be problematic. So why is that card dodging the bullet? And we'll see what happens there. But didn't see this happening. I even made a bet. So I'll show everyone on the live stream. Uh, me and Nick Prince both happen to have $2 bills and disagreed about what will happen to Phoenix and if Phoenix is going to be too good in the format. So he said a card in the next year will be banned. And I said there wouldn't be a card out of Phoenix banned for the next year. I then wrote on the $2 bill that Phoenix was too good and then posted on the internet and within 12 hours, <laughs> it got banned. So Nick, this is yours. I don't know how I'm going to get it to you. You live in LA, though, so just we'll figure that out at some point. So oh. let's let's talk quickly about the, the question people are asking about here: the Faithless Looting decks and and what replaces it. I saw you tweeted the other day from the account eight different cards that kind of fill that spot as possibilities. And and there were like two additional ones that like kind of didn't I like didn't think about and people have now told me about. So right. like there's like eight cards and I'm hoping that so I can I, I get can, my photo app to remember what they are. I can remember some of them offhand. my phone is currently the microphone for this podcast. Yep. So I mean talking about it, the card that they added that I'm actually now most excited about and probably the two and we want to talk about Phoenix um, is Jace Rinch Prodigy. I think that card is yeah. like really good right now partially because it is now one of the best looting features in the format while also being able to pick up a sword if Stoneforge Mystic finds what to put on it while also being a zero two. And we are moving into a world where Ren and Six is going to be one of the best cards in the format. And it, uh, being a X one is a not a good look. Yeah, I mean, it already was, I think. But now yeah. it's just going to get to shine even more. I mean, there's a whole cl- subclass of decks that are going to get to shine through. And we, we're going to do a couple minutes on each one here in a second. So a couple different things. Uh, you, you tweeted six cards. Cathartic Reunion, Lightning Axe, Discovery Dispersal, Ideas Unbound, Chart a Course, Collective Brutality, Maximize vo- Velocity, Insolent Neonate, Is It Charm, Radical Idea, Tormenting Voice, and Flame Jab. Now, I think the thing about these cards that jumps out to me is that... A lot of them are two mana. Yeah, that's the, and that's the thing is like all, it's, all we're doing is making modern 
a little slower. But the form, so people have made this comment, especially with, I mean, because I, I guess we're talking about Phoenix now. That's really the main thing to talk about. At first, we talked about Dredge, at least. Yeah, but, I, mentioned, I mean, I think Dredge, um, because of the Dredge mechanic, will survive just fine. It's yeah, Phoenix yeah. is the one where you need to get them out of your hand efficiently, and that's what, that's what the question here is. Well, and part of it is the format is slowing down. Right, like with Phoenix, the the pan ultimate turn was always turn three, turn four, anyways. So you have that turn two to be able to cast cards like Cathartic Reunion or Discovery or Chart the Course or Ideas Unbound, which is a spicier one that is older. <laughs> if you wanted to go to other colors, you have Collective Brutality, lets you get cards in your hand and remove a spell from their hand to be able to interact on the board. Kill a Stoneforge Mystic if they played it with the minus two effect. Not to mention Insolent Eel Knight. Is it Charm is, you know, obviously something that Phoenix was playing already as two ofs randomly. It would randomly cut them when better cards would show up. But these are all cards that I think are definitely versatile enough. And then on turn three, you then did the work still. Like Cathartic Ruin still does the work by the time you get to turn three to be able to go off and get your free Phoenixes. Where's the, the th- where's the logic on Flame Jab here? Um, mostly that was more on the people commenting that one of the features of Faithless Looting was also that for four mana, you get two spells off of it, right? Oh sure, and, so and one of the power levels of it was it was able to turn the excess lands in Phoenix that they don't really need sure. into spells, just or a, threats. A, yeah, just just getting that third spell to trigger Phoenixes was something you needed right. sometimes, or or to trigger a thing in the ice or something like that. Yeah, so it's less. It's there are multiple features of Faithless Looting, and that covers two of those pieces. Flame Dart also does that. Like you can just play a third one of those in decks. L- Lava, Lava Dart. Dart, Lava Dart. Yeah, so I think I think uh, to to wrap up that thought here on Phoenix. I definitely agree with you that I think Phoenix survives. What I think ends up happening is that Phoenix is a little bit less of a tempo deck and a little more of a control deck at a turn slower. It's It just feels like probably if you're relying on something like an Izzet Charm, your big turn is going to be one turn behind most of the time. Mm-hmm. And in modern, the difference of your big turn coming out, at like, you know, if your big turn is like in Christmas land turn two, but often Phoenix, your big turn is turn three, now probably your big turn will be turn four. More than likely. Right, right. And all that is just, just makes it a little more fair. It means that when you're up against Jund at that point, they'll be getting ready to resolve their fourth spell or their big two-spell turn. Or And that's kind of the other piece to it to me is that, yes, it's a turn slower and it's turn four more than turn three, sure. But if the world does become Stoneforge Mystic and Jundex becoming much more powerful, that the whole format is slower, right? Like Stoneforge Mystic doesn't get a creature attacking until their turn four if you don't cast any spells, Phoenix Phoenix is also very good against decks with counter magic because it doesn't. It's same as Benjamin, right? You don't care if they counter your spell as long as you can chain three spells in turn. One thing I will say about it, and this I think will be my final thought on this, just because there's so much I want to talk about, we don't have that much time today. Is I think that blue decks, when you start to get into that like turn four is your turn sort of a deal, mm-hmm. they start to want to play more counter spells to control the game, and Phoenix does not want to play counter spells because then you're playing spells on their turn. Except for, is it turn? Right. I mean, that's the one, but in my experience, any blue-red deck that has ever played is a charm after about three months of gameplay eventually just cuts it for better cards. It never actually lasts. And that's, I think, the one limitation of Phoenix trying to be more of a control deck than a tempo deck is that mm-hmm. it wants to be proactive, not reactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's kind of where I see that. But I still think it'll be a good deck. I just don't think it'll be the best deck. Oh, I don't think it's going to be the best deck in the format, but I think it's going to be tier one. Like low tier one. I'll bet you mm-hmm. Phoenix is I like... I bet you mid tier one. Like, how many decks are in tier one? Ten. Okay, I, I think I would two, say it's in the top five card decks when, in the format. When we say tier zero in our old days, there's usually three to four decks in that conversation. I would say it's in the top five cards in the format, five decks in the format. Yeah, I think it's right outside of that for me. I'll bet you it's like the fifth best. Deck, How much sixth. are we betting? I don't have other two dollar bills. I have a five dollar bill. I don't make bets with you because. <laughs> but anyway, all right. So I'll I want to draw on it with the sharpie that we have on the table. <laughs> so what I want to talk about now is I think let's let's get into 
the, the stream of thought because people keep bringing it up stream of th- it's the new one with the really cool Seb McKinnon art. Yep. Yes, dope. Yeah, that, yeah, that's another card that people are talking about a lot for Phoenix yeah. X. And that, that, because that's the other thing is just milling yourself, Phoenixes might be worth the value that you need. Um, I think that there, there's so many good options, and Phoenix is like good in the next metagame. Like the metagame we're going to be looking at moving forward, which, like if Stoneforge Mystic is a pill in the format, Phoenix is great, goes right over it. They're already playing Aria Flame, so they don't care about life gain from their opponent. Um, you have. Like Jun decks, who are also not going to be good against Phoenixes, they make you discard cards. Like Liliana is bad against Phoenix. That's you know, one of the reasons it's been bad for the last year. You know, card I think is kind of sweet. I think this is this is a sideboard card in modern anyway that I think people play in blue sideboards. But I like the idea of this in a Phoenix deck. I like the idea of the new Ashiok milling yourself four and exiling their graveyard. Mm-hmm. That seems like a pretty heavy value play if you're going to be a turn slower in that deck. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine really playing it in the main, but it, on the play, slamming that on turn three against some decks. It gums up their game plan so hard to not be able to crack their fetches against mm-hmm. you. I could see that actually being kind of a smart way for that deck to gain its value as it gets into turns four and five. Sure. I think the biggest issue there is that it's not a spell and doesn't do doesn't anything with spells, Phoenix. really. Like The one reason I do like Jace's Vrind Prodigy is it lets you discard your Phoenixes and yeah. then flips and lets you Snapcaster Mage a card without costing extra mana. So you can, add, like anything that adds to your spell count once you get to turn four, is something that I would be looking for. But and, the one thing Ashiok does do really well is it doesn't get returned to your hand with Thing in the Ice, which I really like. Sure. That it's a permanent you can play that resolves that trigger. So yeah. anyway, let's talk about blue-white uh, Stoneforge. That's the first question we got. We got it earlier in the show on a super mm-hmm. chat, and I think it's a great place to start. Blue-white already was one of the pillar decks of the format. It was already very powerful. They The introduction, obviously, of Teferi Time Raveler, of both Teferis uh, over the course of the last year, uh, has completely changed the face of that deck. Right. Now that deck is getting the card that made blue-white an absolute absolute terror in its standard day one of two it yeah. just had the other one already yeah <laughs> uh and now you can play jace both to fairies and stoneforge mystic i mean if you wanted to play squadron hawk you could but like i don't think you will first off i do but <laughs> you do want to play squadron hawk. <laughs> i think squadron hawk's my favorite card of those three cards together from a like dumb magic card perspective like all oh, the other two are just powerful uh the problem with stoneforge mystic going into this format or the difference between Stoneforge Mystic in Modern versus Stoneforge Mystic in Standard back in the day is really the fact that, like, Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt Decay, and Colgan's Command exist. And Jund is one of the best decks in the format. Like, there are a lot of efficient, main deckable, playable artifact removal spells. And, like, to the, and, and those being available makes it easier to kind of fight against that deck. Um, it, there's a reason that the swords have just kind of never been playable in Modern, and that is because. Even if you stretch, like the best removal or some of the best removal in the format is artifact removal. Abrupt Decay sure. for a long time was the most played card in the format. Now, an Assassin's Trophy is even better at fighting against Batter Skulls. Yes, right. Abrupt right. Decay can't hit a Batter Skull. It can't hit the germ and that puts them off. But um, so the format, I think, is just in a better position to be able to handle a threat like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm throwing, I have, I have, I'm throwing Stoneforge Mystic in every deck I play for now on. I think I'm changing Dun to the Naya. I'm playing Blue White Control. Yeah. I'm playing Jeskai. Like I have a pile of cards this high of different Stoneforge decks. I think it's going to be very powerful. Um, we on t- Twitter, we were discussing the other day the fact that like, because someone posted a picture of like someone playing humans who just like on moto put four Stoneforge Mystics in their deck and then joined a queue without putting an equipment in their deck because <laughs> 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 they're just like oh it's good good go and then they forgot the batter skull so like people are going to try jamming everywhere i think it actually will be good in decks like humans you just make sure to include your batter skulls kids <laughs> yeah um, I, I think probably too you know 
some of the decks that have been more reliant on spell synergy, like take like Mardu Pyromancer, for instance, or just Mardu decks, decks in general. That was the first good Mardu deck we'd ever seen in mm-hmm. modern. I think you're just going to be able to play a, a Mardu good stuff deck now that's not so reliant on casting a million spells because that deck's not good anymore now that we don't have Faithless Looting. You can just take some of the velocity out, replace it with your, your card advantage off your Stoneforge Mystic, and that deck is probably still good. I mean, you cut... Young Pyromancer, you put in... Yeah, Stoneforge Stone Mystic. Mystic. You cut Bedlam Reveler, and you put just, like, a good value... I don't know like, if you, you have young, to. You put Young... Because uh, Bedlam Reveler does need spells, right? Like, if you're cutting your spell countdown, and and that was the main one-drop spell the deck was playing... Yeah. But you still have... a Like, Mardu still has a bunch of real good cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. And not having Faithless Looting, like, was a cool engine that it got to take advantage of and was cute. But, like, just putting, like, Lillian on the Veil in there and, like, some other good cards, I think is just, like, that deck is still going to be very powerful. <laughs> well, all right. So, I think we're all just sort of in agreement. Like, there's a lot of ideas with Blue-White. Blue-White will be a player and it will just play Stoneforge because that's a good thing you can do. But right. a step beyond that... Well, before... Because I do want to c- comment because people are arguing in the chat between, like, Mind Sculptor versus Teferi's and which one's better. And I think there's, like, a blanket think thought that Teferi has now at-class Mind Sculptor. But if you actually look at 5.0 lists and how people are doing in the format... Jace didn't go away. Like, I've even seen lists that are, you know, not playing five mana Teferi, but playing like two Jace, four, three mana Teferi, or like three, 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 add some Narsets in there. Like, there, there's a bunch of different combos. And and the strength of Jace, the Mind Sculptor, and the reason Cobblade could just come back with the birds is the deck needed the birds because it basically was draw four cards for two mana, or draw three cards for two mana, right? You get a threat and you draw three cards. And then with Jace, you can shuffle those back into your deck, re-abusing that engine. And then Stoneforge Mystic allows you to make those creatures and the threats. Those are pieces all now exist now. I think Cobblade, that version of the deck, will be a tier two. It won't be kind of up there, but yeah, I definitely think slow. it's playable. But I do think... You can achieve that card advantage like easier than doing I, that. Right. I don't I don't think Jace goes... I don't think Jace is any necessarily worse than the Teferi's. I think it's it's like you have four Planeswalkers between the Teferi's, Narset, and Jace, and you pick like 12 of them. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, most of the lists I've seen over, over the last little while have played like three Mind Sculptor, two five-minute Teferi, and then some number three or higher of three-minute Teferi, right? It's usually like three, three, two, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the Narsets are just sort of dependent on who you're playing against. But um, why, is, why is Stoneforge Mystic a non-bow with your Aether Vials? I think it's really... Yeah, Stoneforge Mystic is really good with Aether Vial. Yeah. I've done that in Legacy. It's yeah, fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you I get mean, to do it end of turn and untap, and then you, you get to flash in a Batterskull. <laughs> I mean, the power level of Stoneforge Mystic and Batterskull together, while we are talking about it, the fact that like you're going to be able to fight against that, it doesn't change the fact that even though you're going to be able to fight against that, it's still just going to be good in any deck that plays white. Like, you, mm-hmm. you can just put that into a deck. Like, humans doesn't need it to be a human. It just makes humans better to have that card in its deck. Like, I, I guess the fact that, like, you're... No, no, because it has colorless in the cost. So even your unclaimed territories and your caverns don't care. They'll just cast it. It's fine. You just I guess you... What, what are the five cards you cut from humans or six cards you got from humans to make room for it and two equipment? I don't think you need two equipment. I think you just play one Batter Skull. I think you're fine. You would play four Stoneforge, one Batter Skull in that deck? Got it. I don't know. Uh, that seems I'm, loose. I, I, humans isn't even the deck I would look first. I think it's passable. I think I think it's actually better in spirits than humans, partially because the strength of Stoneforge Mystic is it's a two drop that you never have to tap out on your turn again for, right? Like you play it as a two drop, and then your next turn you hold your mana up, you have counter magic or whatever you want to do at instant speed, and then if they don't do a thing that you need to react to, you flash and batter skull. And 
in spirits, that's what you want to do in spirits. You play it on turn two, and then you hold up spell, spell quellers or other counter magic spells that let you interact or collected companies. And then so now they're stuck having to deal with that versus in humans where it's kind of just a aggressive tap a deck, but you want to get cards down as soon as possible, especially because most of your cards are proactive, right? You're naming cards from your opponent with, not with freebooters, you're stealing them, but meddling, like mage. meddling mage, you want to get kind of creatures in before they play things. And Stoneforge Mystic is normally the creature you want to do that and then start being reactive with. So spirits seems like a more exciting home for it than humans to me. Yeah, and also, I mean, we just literally were talking about Aether Vial. The reactive nature of being able to sort of flash one thing in and then flash in another mm-hmm. thing in response to kind of... That whole that whole chain yeah. is really powerful. And that's why, like, the fairies conversation is a good one. I, I just think Spirits is the fairies deck of modern. I think if you're looking for the play-that-gameplay mechanic, it's Spirits. Spirits yes. just has more... Sadly, fairies, until this fall, coming to you, Throne of Eldraine, uh, fairies has that one set that supported it ever. So it's like a standard format's worth of cards versus... I. Honestly, tried counting once how many formats Spirits was a tribe that was playable, and it's more than you want to start trying to count. <laughs> so the best deck previously was Hogak, and Phoenix was really good. Mm-hmm. One of the decks that was like lurking behind it was this Urza deck. You know, were Prison became Urza, and Urza obviously plays a combo that uses a piece of equipment, yep. <laughs> sort of the beak, yep. which means that Urza decks can now just play Stoneforge Mystic right. in the deck. They can play one copy of Sword of the Meek if they want to, one copy of Batter Skull, Four Stone Forge Mystic, and now that deck goes even more turbo with something it can just do on turn two that's insane. So the, so the big question to me with that deck more than anything is like, how does Stone Forge Mystic replace Goblin Engineer? Like, that's the thing that people are going to automatically assume it does, which it does, but we, then you we, lose... we did call it Artifact, Go- yeah, Artifact yeah, yeah. Stone Forge Mystic, but, but it got but, printed. So. But Goblin Engineer is one of the engines that lets it play as kind of a like tutor for your hate pieces deck. Right. And like the war half of the, the prison part of the deck, Goblin Engineer fits a little bit more into. And so does the deck change to be something a little bit different with the Stoneforge Mystic piece being it? Because you can't tutor for those hate cards, right? Or do you play both? Do you play like a 2-3 split or a 3-2 split or a 4-4 four, four split? That's not a split. That's just eight cards um, but uh do you play kind of all of them and then you cut down on other pieces and i don't i i, I have never played the urza deck personally so i can't attest to what that's going to end up but i do think that even before stoneforge mystic being revealed to be being unbanned and even before we even knew faithless looting was being unbanned i expected urza to be the best deck in the format i, I thought it was going to be turn zero i think it's Probably the next deck to get a card banned out of it if I had to put money down. Yeah, it's really um, powerful. I mean, I, I really like the idea of playing those two cards together, to be honest. I, I like Stoneforge Mystic and Engineer together because what happens when you've resolved your Batter Skull with your Stoneforge Mystic and they're looking at it and they're like, okay, this is the turn where he's left his shields down because he's tapped out or something or he has one mana open. Now I'm going to blow up his Batter Skull and you have an Engineer in play and you're like, yeah, when you target my Batter Skull, I'm just going to activate my one red to sacrifice this Batter Skull to get something else out of the graveyard because like these were such low opportunity cost cards mm-hmm. and they both net me some sort of value and I've already set myself up because... Yeah, I definitely think it's an upgrade to the deck. I just The, the question I have is how where the deck ends up in the yeah. long run. It's going to be really fascinating to watch. Um, and- I think I think one of the things that is so fascinating about that and why I think it's going to be such a powerful addition mm-hmm. is that there are games that will happen in modern that are literally going to be won by a turn two Stoneforge Mystic on the play when your opponent just doesn't hit their land drops or stumbles and the game ends really fast. And the fact that a deck as powerful as, as powerful as Urza now has the ability to do that on the play with nothing else. Like, it, do, it requires almost nothing to win with that, but the fact that half of your infinite combo is also attached to that card just makes me feel like 
the like that's the good early good late conversation that like we always talk sure. about. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, Stoneforge Mystic is going to be nuts in the deck. I'm not I'm not arguing against that. It's more there's more considerations to just like slam four Stoneforge Mystic replace Goblin Engineer go right. It's like there's a there's there's pieces and tools that the deck has to change around to kind of make that work and and could change the deck. Like the deck could could be more of just like a. Stoneforge Mystic artifact control deck that plays Urza on top end to just win that way, or there could just be blue white decks that do that that have Urza in it instead of a prison deck, right? That's that's a little bit of the the differentiation. So we got about ten minutes left, uh, a little less than, and we need to burn these things. That's well, not going to take ten minutes. No, no, no. I was saying we, well, this will probably just take a couple minutes. All right. But like, what are the, like the last five minutes worth? If you guys want to throw in the chat what you specifically want to hear about in the next five six minutes. So, all right. So we talked about Urza. We talked a little bit about. Well, so people want us to talk a little bit about Tron because I do think that's going to be relevant yeah, for. Yeah. We talked about two of the best decks being blue ba- blue white based control decks and Junt and Mart like and you both told of those me, are. You said to me earlier like. You can just use Tron lands to cast the Vatter Skull. So why wouldn't you just throw four of those into oh, a white yeah. Tron deck? That like, seems insane to me. Green white Tron, like Green White Tron, already has been played. Uh, Josh Kim, Zell at Zell tweets, yeah, uh, friend of the cast, uh, had a Green White Tron deck that he was playing forever. And you get Path is kind of the main reason to do it yeah. over, over other colors and and getting a Batter Skull off of Stoneforge Mystic and being able to, you know. Oh no, my Stoneforge Mystic died. I guess I have to play this with my Tron lands. And then also on turn four, because you have to play white mana to tutor for it, you then can play it and then have three mana to save it if they try killing it. So you now have the like unkillable uh, Batterskull situation, which is yeah. like, the part of the game where Batterskull becomes the most scary. Um, like flashing in Batterskull on turn five is always the scariest moment because then you can return it to your hand just in case they try killing it. So like, that puts them in such a, a head position. I could see Tron just playing that. But the other thing I want to say, we talked about Tron being good. We talked about Jun being good. We talked about Blue White being good. I'm just saying that these are all decks that Arclight Phoenix has a good matchup against. <laughs> That's interesting. Like, That's interesting. Packing with four 3-2 flyers that can't be killed is bad news bears for a lot of these guys. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I see a super chat here that I think we should shout out. What is the best version of Tron? Says sorry, uh, Nick Clark. Nick Clark, and it's a two dollars super chat. Thank you, Nick Clark. We very much appreciate your support. Means the world to us. Uh, the best version of Tron. Period. I think it's mono green. Still, probably. Uh, it could be white green. I don't know how good the Stoneforge Stoneforge Mist package also just might be like not as good as just playing like yeah right warm coil engines like <laughs> like like what you're actually getting for all the hoops you're jumping through is that deck is jumping through hoops anyway to do other stuff that you're not going to change that game plan to right. accommodate Stoneforge so it's just getting a batter skull actually that good in like, that deck like playing Karn and getting Microsynth like there's like that deck's already going to be problematic yeah like, yeah yeah it's already just like big before Modern Horizons happened you know Neoform decks and Karn based Eldra- or Tron decks were both really 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 powerful I do and I do wonder if Neoform is going to be a huge problem now it, it was so good like that seemed like second. an obvious this has to get banned target and then people shifted and now I wonder if we're all going to be freaking out about Stoneforge. This like turn three, four, four, <laughs> basically. And Neoform is just you're dead by then. I mean, the argument for a long time with Stoneforge missing coming off the ban list is just it's not that good compared to other stuff you're doing. We've like, said it on here like a hundred fifty right. times. I'm excited to play with it, and I think it'll be a great tool for the format in different places. But I don't know. Like Neoform exists, Tron exists. Like the, like Tron is another deck that just eats. Literally, <laughs> with Karn activations, uh, control decks, and Jun decks, right? Like, there's so many different ways to hate on a Batter Skull in the format and or right. a, a sword. 
um, that I think that like Stoneforge Mystic might just be another good role player. Like, I, yeah, I guess the real question is, is Stoneforge Mystic, where would you rank it on our classic list of five two drop cycle, right? Like where... Like the power level, like compared to the others? Like, so it's Snapcaster Mage, Tarmogoyf, Dark Confidant, um, Young Pyro? Young Pyromancer, Stoneforge Mystic, and like maybe Gold is running six, I guess now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wasn't, there like a, wasn't there another red two drop that we decided was the red two drop? It was uh, our Dread, uh, Dreadhorn Arcanist. It's not that yet. Maybe yeah. one day, but it's not there. Okay. Uh, those are the five. Um, Where do I rank it in those five? I mean, it feels like to me the most powerful of those five is Snapcaster Mage. Yep. And it feels like number two on that list. Weird because it's almost been outclassed, but I would still say probably Confidant is number two. No, Dark Confidant is the... I, oh, really? I, I think Red and Six made Dark Confidant unplayable. Well, that's what I mean. But that's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying right now, not like in oh, modern okay. history. In modern history, Stoneforge Mystic is the worst because it's been banned the whole time. <laughs> when I said when I said uh, it's in a weird place, that's what I meant. Is Red oh, okay. and Six has kind of invalidated it. So if you're talking about right now in modern, it feels like right now with the bannings, graveyard decks are going to be a little less targeted. So Tarmogoyf gets better probably. Actually, actually, in fact, I would argue that Bob has been the worst for a while, even even before Red and Six. But yes, I agree that Tarmogoyf is second. And I also think that. Um, Faithless Looting being banned makes Pyro a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So probably that drops down. Bob drops down, which probably makes Stoneforge Mystic second or third. It's right, yeah. Is it is it better than Tarmogoyf is, I think, the real question. I think it is. I yeah, think, I, I agree. I think Stoneforge Mystic is the second best on that list. I don't think Snapcaster Mage... I think Snapcaster Mage might be the best creature ever printed, period. It's so good. <laughs> Do you know... Did I tell you that I that pack I opened? No. I had a leftover pack of Modern Masters 17 oh, from a Chaos yeah, yeah. Draft that I opened at home the other day, and I pulled a Snapcaster Mage and a Foil Abrupt Decay out of the pack. Nice. I was stoked. Yeah, that's pretty... Uh, we had a couple uh, Super Chats here I want to shout out. Is Sunforge Mystic just a joke deck? I think it's really cool. I don't think it'll ever dominate the format. It might... It's cool. I want to see it win. I would like for Modern to be in a place where that is one of the better decks. Of that the is format. a $2 super chat that has been asked by Sunny Jack-O-Lantern. Uh, maybe. I'll look into it. Neo the Panda asked, what were the answers to the quiz questions? That's another $2 super chat. Uh, so it's green is the only angel, monocolor angel that doesn't exist. Michael guessed red and then like immediately remembered that Abyssin was a set. Or uh, not Abyssin. And like Illusory uh, Angel's blue. Shadows of Ranistrad was a block. And then Illusory Angel is the blue one. That's the one that uh, blue was who the audience member guessed. And, and then the commander and guys got green. What was the other question? Like Sher- Sherifuku Dragon? It's, uh, sh- I'm never going to say it right. Sure. Sherifuku Dragon. Something like that. <laughs> Shikifu. I'm never. It's like there's a lot of letters. <laughs> I'm not here for say cards named correctly regularly. Uh, and then um, World Gar- Champion 1996. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah 1997, maybe. 97, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so those were the, the World Champion championships uh 1997 i think 1998 there was a trophy and inside the trophy was a card that literally was only printed as one copy and those are the two cards and they're famous for being the only cards who ever have one printing yeah a lot of people guess it's uh so richard garfield when he got married and had a kid and maybe when he had his third kid or i think there's a third one of these yeah uh printed a like one print sheet or a couple print sheets of a card that was like a gift saying like and the effect are like, you can shuffle your deck and someone else's deck and then play from it together. And that was the marriage one. Right. And then right, there right. was a play on that mechanic for the him having a kid. Yeah. So people think it might be those, but the 
Yeah, the, that's the World Championships in the late '90s got a single card that's all theirs. So we are out of time. We will we will revisit this next week probably with like I'll bet you next week's episode will be cool brews with Stoneforge Mystic that we'll come yep. up with. I want to build with with Lorsch. I have like with, I have so many lists on my list. If you actually if you go to the Patreon, I'm going to start posting lists in the there's a uh, deck list section for on our Discord for Patreon members. You will I just post deck lists there as much as I come up with them. For a while, I haven't been because Hogak was ruining my day, but now I have Stoneforge. Mystic. I just want to play Ice Fang Quota. You should bit. see the piles of cards in my. I just want to like. I want. I, just, I need Astro Labs. I need a bunch of Snowlands. So the All question, right. the question is, where is the lighter? It's right here. Uh, the answer is, let's burn these things. All right, <laughs> let's get some fire emojis in the chat here, guys. Let's get some fire yeah, emojis. Let's see fire. So to remind see people that we're not here earlier and are here now on Tappy Toe Claws match game panel in Las Vegas this last weekend, I was brought up from the audience and then I snuck on onto the panel a little bit later. But I was brought up from the audience and asked the question of. Something around the lines of this magic character just won a beauty contest. It was blank. And a bunch of people answered. And then Inkling Customs uh, drew this as her answer. It was Hogak. And I was declared at that point in the podcast or in the show that I, if it was banned, I'd have to burn this on the podcast. It was banned, so I have to burn this on the podcast. But little did we know, Faithless Looting would be joining it. And so the wonderful Tappy Toe Claws drew this Faithless Looting proxy um, that is adorable uh, to also burn, and we'll be doing that. Oh, don't. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna. <laughs> that is unsafe. Uh, I'm gonna stand up for this so that we can see it, and I'm gonna burn them together. Actually, you why don't you hold the hogak? All right. Bye, faithless looting. We loved you. Bye, hogak. <laughs> um. And here we are. So, guys, thank you for watching. Oh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the MMCast. It's all falling apart. The burning's being pulled down. Um, good. Okay. Moving my mic down so people can see my face. So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we will be back with a bunch of cool new Stoneforge stuff next week. Um, a big shout out on my end. This Thursday night at 10.15 p.m. at the New York Comedy Club in the East Village, I'll be performing live. Uh, Action Live is going to be there. Andrew Guy and myself will be playing uh, a full set. We'll be, I'll be playing two live songs. We'll do a bunch of stupid Nicolas Cage impressions. We'll be doing a full episode on the movie MacGruber. Uh, so get your tickets at NewYorkComedyClub.com. If you want to come see the show, I can send you a discount code. It'll be super fun. We'll be doing like a hangout afterwards and going out drinking and whatnot. It'll be a great time. There's so, ash everywhere. There's ash everywhere. <laughs> uh, so big shout out to both Inkling Customs, uh, which is at Inkling Customs, I-N-K-L-I-N-C-U-S-T-O-M-S and Tappy Toe Claws at Tappy Toe Claws. Tappy Toe Claws. Cool. I did it. Cool. Sweet. Ah, for donating artwork <laughs> to be destroyed on the show. Uh, and also just being awesome all at Magic Fest Vegas. You should follow both of them. They're great. Uh, big thank you to our sister podcast, Command Zone. Big thank you to um, Sam for uh, being our producer. Yeah, for, for being today. the producer for today. Thank um, you so much. Awesome job. We hopefully didn't sound terrible. Uh, which I guess you guys will find out. And it's, so many fire emojis. Ooh, thank you. Most importantly, all the people that uh, both donated to the super chat, but also just joined us on the super chat. Uh, we heart all of you. That was cool. Best. That was cool to do that on the show for the first time. I think we should. We were going to look into trying to be able to do this live more often because uh, I like doing this live. This was fun. Oh yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Make sure to check out the audio, Patreon, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Kess Wiley, and I'm at Ben Vaden Media we are at the MM Cast. Sam, where can they find you? Uh, at strat underscore sam on twitter cool at strat s-t-r-a-t underscore sam s-a-m bye guys bye
Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.